best friends and introverts, welcome back to the You're So Quiet podcast, or welcome if you're joining for the very first time. As always, I am your host, Chelsea Brown. This week, I wanted to sit down and chat with you all about radical honesty. This is not to be mistaken for brutal honesty, but we will get into that later. First, we're going to do our customary mental health check. As always, you're going to rate your mental health from one to five, one being horrible, five being amazing. Today, I think I'm sitting between a two and a three, probably closer to a three. Um, I feel like I was in a mini depressive episode. My mental health is improving from last week. Had a little, you know, baby depressive episode. Still kind of in it. I'm really tired and really lacking motivation, to be honest with you. But I am still plugging along. I did decide to do National Novel Writing Month, and at this point in the month, I've written over 20,000 words, which is great because I am well ahead of schedule to have 50,000 done by the end of this month. My goal is to get that 50,000, but really, I just want to get the first draft of this book done. I haven't, like, been in love with this book, and I'm not sure why, but when I'm writing it, like, it seems to be flowing well, so... I'm just going to go with it, you know, just take it as it comes and I'll set it aside for a couple months and then come back to it and see if everything I wrote was garbage. (laughs) Uh, Other than that, I don't really have any other personal things happening anymore, thank goodness, because I, I was literally at my breaking point because there was just too much stuff going on and I'm just tired of there always being something Um, And a lot of times these things that happened, particularly this last week or so, it was very demoralizing in that these things made me feel like I did not have value as a person to the people that like these personal things were happening to or happening with, I mean. So yeah, that was, that was really challenging. And in full transparency, feeling like I don't matter is like a really, really big trigger for me Uh, and in fact triggered one of my worst depressive episodes ever uh, back in 2017, I want to say. Yeah, it was, it was a bad time. It was a dark time. Got back into therapy at that time, came out of it with more coping skills than I had, so I'm using those now and the antidepressants are helping. They are helping. Speaking of my health journey, I am going back down a dose on the antidepressants. It's not really helping my vestibular migraine very much, um, and the side effects are more intense. Like, I'm having these wild dreams, and I wake up sweating, and it's a whole thing, so hopefully going down a dose will just level it back out, and I'll get the benefits without all the side effects. Um, I'm also adding a couple more medications to try to see if we can really nail down what's going to help me and get these episodes to stop happening because they're really affecting my life a lot. It kind of feels like they've picked back up in frequency and I don't know if that's just like, I don't know, like something that's just happening is just coincidence or if it's actually picking back up or like what the deal is. So I don't know, man. I hope it's not picking back up. I hope that these medications we're going to try do help me because I'm 
I'm tired of it, to be honest. I feel like I really, I can't live my life how I want to. I used to be very active. Like, you know, I was always on my exercise grind, but I feel like I've become really exercise intolerant, to be honest. And so I'm doing aerial silks now. I actually have a lesson tonight. And the first time that I went, I was really nervous because I was worried that my episodes were going to be triggered somehow by my heart rate being up or being in a stressful environment or literally flipping upside down over and over. Like, are are these things going to trigger my episodes? So, um, it didn't, thank goodness. But if it does tonight, then it is what it is. I'm going to keep doing it because I'm tired of kind of like pulling myself back and being afraid of things, it's not helping me, you know? It's really not. In other news, what else is new? Um, I am on Bumble BFF. I am using the introvert's <laughs> best friend when it comes to making new friends. I feel like I need a good group, you know? I have been like, I'm, you know this, I'm very introverted. I'm very good being on my own. But lately, I've been wanting to, like, do stuff and be more social. And I want to embrace that. But I want to embrace that with the right people. Like, not just have whoever I happen to have around be my go-to person. Because sometimes it's not, like, super beneficial for the relationship or whatever. So, I'd like to have, like, a good, solid group of people to do stuff with. So I'm on Bumble BFF. It it feels like <laughs> like a dating app. It's a whole I mean it is a dating app, right? So there's the BFF side, there's the dating side, and then there's the business side. I'm doing the best friend side. So it is a dating app and you just, you know, swipe right or swipe left or whatever. And you guys talk on the app or you can give your number or whatever. So It is very dating app-y, but I don't think it's as bad because it seems like, at least the girls that I've matched with, they're more like reading the description, like the questions that you answered, reading your bio, not just like, is this person pretty or whatever, you know? So I kind of like it so far. It is a little bit tiring. I've never had to do the dating app thing. So, doing it now feels, like, so strange, um, and I understand why people get fatigued with dating apps, because it's just a lot. It's a lot, and then you have all these other notifications, and it's a whole thing, and I'm trying to build connections with multiple people, and it's, it's a lot. It's a lot. Uh, so, if you're looking for friends in your area, or just even people to meet up with and hang out with, I would try Bumble BFF. I've met, actually, a lot of people off of there. And it's been good so far. It's been good. It is tiring. It is tiring, but overall good. Don't forget that this is also your opportunity to check in with yourself, ask yourself how you're really, really doing, and make sure you're being honest, radically honest. And we'll get into that as we get into the episode. But just be be for real with yourself, you know? If there's no one else on earth that you think you can really be yourself with, you can be yourself with yourself at the very least, you know? So just be honest, rate your mental health one to five, one being horrible, five being amazing, and no matter how you're feeling, it's okay. If you're feeling bad, that's fine. If you're you're feeling great, that's great. 
Sometimes I think we can feel guilty for having a great day when someone else is having a bad day and I don't want you to guilt yourself. So just be honest and no judgment. While you are thinking about that, I am going to give you my recommendations for the week. My first recommendation is a behavior. It is asking for attention when you need it. I, particularly when I'm feeling depressed, I don't want to talk to anyone. I don't want to look at anyone. I don't want to be around anyone. I don't want to be touched. I want to be left alone. But I feel like that's the time when I should not be left alone, you know, because that's when all your thoughts are going to ruminate all around in your head and then you're going to convince yourself you're a bad person and no one actually likes you and it's a whole thing. What you actually need is attention, right? You need validation. You need to feel like you are loved and cared about. So just ask for the attention when you need it. And I have literally started saying to my husband, I need attention and then just laying on top of him. (laughs) So whatever works for you, do that, you know. But if you need attention, like genuinely just need attention and you have a significant other or you have a best friend or whatever, tell that person, I need attention. I want to talk about this, but I don't really want to talk about it. I want you to be here for me, but I don't want you to talk. Like find your people that will do that for you. And that will help this depression that you're feeling or whatever negative emotion you're feeling pass faster because you'll know that you don't have to do it all by yourself. Okay. The next thing I'm going to recommend is getting extra sleep. We just had daylight savings time, so we fell back an hour. We gained an hour of sleep, kind of. But I was reading that in the winter, our bodies actually need more sleep than we do in the summer. On average, they say that you need two hours more sleep. So I've been I've been going to sleep earlier, right? Usually I go to sleep like midnight, one o'clock. Lately, it's been like 1030 and I feel so much better. I'm waking up at eight. I'm ready to go. I don't feel sluggish or like I have to force myself and give myself a pep talk to get out of bed. I'm like able to get up and go versus going to sleep at the normal time and waking up at the normal time, but still feeling like I didn't get enough sleep. So if you're like, oh my God, I'm tired all the time in the winter, it's because you're actually tired and your body does need actual rest. So try sleeping a little bit more. I promise it will help. And honestly, even if you are sleeping enough, but you still feel sleepy, there's nothing wrong with a little extra sleep. You know, we love a good nap. We love a good lie-in. Going to bed early, love that. The final thing I'm going to recommend to you is a TV show. It is an oldie but a goodie, and it is The Big Bang Theory. Now, it is on HBO Max, or just Max now. I don't know why they changed it, but anyway, it's on Max now, and I've been watching the whole series from the beginning with my husband, and I forgot how good of a series it is. It's just a sitcom. It's funny. It's light. It's nothing too heavy or dark. And it's really easy to just binge it just because it's very watchable. You know, you have different characters, different character dynamics. You have unrequited love. Like there's a little bit of everything for everyone. So if you've never seen it, I highly recommend it. If you've seen it before and you enjoyed it, go back and watch it again because you might have even forgotten how good it actually was, which is where I am. So, with all of that behind us, let's get into this week's episode, and that is talking about radical honesty. First of all, 
what is radical honesty? Radical honesty is the practice of always being 100% completely and totally honest and not telling even a white lie. This is something that I think can be really helpful, but it can also be really challenging. So let's talk about helpful first. I think that radical honesty is the most helpful when you're trying to grow more fruitful and transparent relationships. Even in your like work relationships, radical honesty can be a very, very powerful tool. But just realize that with great power comes great responsibility. So you can't just be whipping it out (laughs) at every turn to solve all your problems. It's a powerful tool, but it does have, like every tool has its own job. It has a very specific job and that is to create this transparency in your relationships. Now, in my opinion, for radical honesty to be the most effective, I think that you have to already have some kind of a baseline relationship that has some kind of trust in it. So whether that's your romantic partner, a friendship, your boss, your coworker, whatever the case may be, I think it's really important before you're like, I'm going to be radically honest with you. (laughs) Uh, I think it's important to analyze that baseline relationship and decide if this relationship has enough trust to where you can be radically honest with this person. A lot of times, radical honesty isn't for the things that are really easy to talk about. You know, it's for the things that are tough to talk about. And it has like a very specific like three-step kind of thing that you use to talk about these things. First is noticing and observing yourself. How are you feeling? What are your reactions? What is your instant reaction? What are your perceptions? What is it inside yourself? Okay. Number two is noticing the world around you. What is it that you see from the person that you're trying to talk to? What is it you notice about this outside situation? Take in things from the outside world. The third thing is to report them out loud without filter, without a bias, without any managing of your words. And the last part is the hardest part, as I'm sure you know. You know, it's easy to look inside yourself. It's easy to look at somebody else. But it's hard to talk about those things without any kind of bias. As adults, every single one of us has bias. No matter if you're a judge listening to this, I think you can think about things in an unbiased way, but every person individually has bias. So when you're trying to look at a particular situation and discuss it without filtering yourself, without the inherent bias that you have as an adult from your experiences, without managing your words or your tone, like that can be really difficult. And it can also present a challenge because the way that you word something can be taken the wrong way. Maybe that's not what you meant, but it is the truth, you know? So again, that can be really, really challenging. That said, again, I really think it is a powerful tool, not only in interpersonal relationships, but I think it's a powerful tool for from like a mental health standpoint. I think that 
I need to be like so freaking for real <laughs> with myself sometimes because I have a tendency to get in these patterns of doing something. So let me give you an example. I am pretty non-confrontational. I don't enjoy confrontation. If you make me mad, I'll cry. Like, it's a whole thing, you know, and I just don't like it. It's uncomfortable. And in all honesty, I have learned through, like, my childhood and childhood experiences that being confrontational is bad, you know. I'm trying to unlearn that, but that is something that's ingrained in me. So, this habit that I have is I will be upset about something, I won't bring it up, and I'll just get over it myself. The thing is, is that getting over something yourself, there's always going to be that little bit of unresolved tension, right? Because you haven't been able to voice your concerns to the person that upset you. Maybe they continue to do the thing that upset you, or maybe you view them through the lens of the thing that upset you. So, everything that they do after that is compounded into like it's on top of the thing that you decided you're getting over. So that is a habit I had to be so for real with myself about. You know, like this, does it work? No, not really. Is it helpful? No, not really. Is it uncomfortable to do something else? 100%. You know, avoiding talking about the problem is the most comfortable thing to do for me at least. So, forcing myself to really just analyze what's going on within myself, what's going on in my relationships because of this particular habit, and just saying them to myself out loud or in a conversation with someone has been extremely invaluable because, honestly, I'm the only person that really knows what's going on inside me, you know? So, I'm the only person that can, that is actually qualified to give myself a reality check on my own behaviors, you know, and on how my behaviors affect me. You as an outsider might be like, oh, I see that you do this all the time, but you don't know how that affects me, right? You don't, you can't see what I'm thinking. You can't see what I'm feeling. I could tell you, but I'm not gonna, you know what I mean? So... That's an aspect in which radical honesty has been extremely valuable for me from a mental health standpoint because I keep finding myself in these situations where someone upsets me and I just get over it and they continue to upset me over and over, like doing the same thing. But I'm being so for real with myself, you know, I, I cannot expect you to stop upsetting me if I don't tell you I was even upset to begin with. Because you don't know that that thing hurt me. You know, you don't know that you hurt my feelings. You don't know that I was upset. You don't know that I was angry. Whatever the case may be, you do not know because I did not tell you. And as adults, it is our responsibility to tell other people how their actions affected us. It is a horrible practice to assume anything. You know, I, I do that all the time. I am the queen of assumptions, but it's a horrible practice and I need to internalize that. And this is, again, something I'm being very honest with myself about, that I need to be so for real about the fact that I make so many assumptions for no reason and I need to accept the fact that we are all adults here and if someone is upset with me, someone is angry with me, 
It is their responsibility to tell me. It is not my responsibility to guess, to assume, to anything. It is my responsibility to tell somebody else how they made me feel, but it is not my responsibility to take on the burden of their feelings. So noticing these things in myself that maybe aren't very nice to look at, they're not really a pretty a pretty thing. They're not things that I'm just like, oh, I'm so proud that I do this. Like they're, they're a little bit ugly and they're a little bit rough around the edges and they're things that I'm just like, mm, don't like that. Don't like that at all. But being honest with myself about that means that I then have a tool to, to say to myself, okay, I know I do this. I know how it affects me. I see how it's affecting my relationships. And now I can behave differently because I have verbalized that and internalized that to myself, journaled about it, done my little audio message to myself, like whatever I have to do is all progress toward breaking bad habits. So let's talk about when radical honesty can be more challenging. Not to say that it's not challenging even when it's helpful because looking at my own like looking in my own heart or whatever and saying like, ooh, that's kind of gross that you do that. That's not comfortable. Don't love that. But radical honesty can be particularly challenging, I think, when it comes to delicate subjects. You know, let's give an example. Let's say you have a friend and they're going through chemotherapy and they're like, hey, do I look really like skeletally thin and pale and the way they say it is like they hope they don't look that way and you're like in your head you're like "Mm, yeah you do is radical honesty at that point the best I think it can be you know but I think that we need to distinguish radical honesty from brutal honesty, okay? Brutal honesty would be telling your friend, yeah, you look pale and like a skeleton. Radical honesty would be like, your body's going through something, you know? Like you're fighting for your life, you're doing great, you know? It doesn't have to be the brutality. I read a quote somewhere that said, people who say that they're brutally honest are more concerned with the brutality than the honesty. And in my opinion, radical honesty is focused 100% on the honesty and the truth of the statement, not the brutality of the delivery. In fact, I think that delivering radical honesty with tact can make this powerful tool even more powerful because you you can tell the truth. But you can tell it in such a way that's not cruel, right? If I ask my husband if I've gained weight and he knows that I have this weird relationship with my body and with food and whatever, he can say, I don't know, we can all stand to lose a few pounds, but I love you either way. I think you're beautiful. Like Those things are still true, you know? Maybe I have, maybe I haven't, but what he's saying, the truth for him is that it frankly doesn't matter. I love you either way, okay? So, 
in the example where we're talking about our friend who's going through chemo, like you can say your body's going through something, you know, but you're, you're doing amazing. You are kicking this thing's ass. Like you are, you are doing the thing, you know, and those things are still true. You don't have to confirm somebody's insecurities for you to say that, oh, I'm being radically honest. I also think that radical honesty can be particularly challenging when you're speaking to someone who is not ready to hear what you're saying. And this is why I was talking earlier about looking at the baseline relationship that you have with someone. If the baseline relationship that you have with someone does not have that foundation of trust, in all likelihood, your radical honesty is going to fall on deaf ears or worse, fall on defensive ears. I had a conversation with someone once and I told them, like, you hurt my feelings. And their first reaction was to defend themselves and essentially tell me all the reasons why my feelings shouldn't be hurt and my feelings are invalid. For me, I was being radically honest. It's like, you know what? You really hurt my feelings when you did this. And their immediate reaction was to be defensive. And this is a time when it was very challenging for me to stay in the spirit of radical honesty because that really made me upset. When I'm telling someone that, like, you hurt me, and they're essentially saying, no, I didn't. Yeah, you did. (laughs) Yeah, you did. So when someone becomes defensive, I think that is a, a marker for one of two things. Either A, this person is not ready to have this conversation. Maybe not with you or just not have this conversation at all. Okay? Or B... You didn't preface the conversation correctly. I have heard people say that they like to preface a tough conversation with, can I practice some radical honesty with you? And that already sets someone up to be like, okay, what they're about to tell me is probably going to be hard to hear, but it puts them in a frame of mind or it can put them in a frame of mind to hear what the person is saying and potentially look at it through the lens of their own radical honesty. So they'll take in what the person is saying, look inside themselves, see how everything's going on in there, look outside themselves, see how the relationship is, how the person is, and then discuss without filter or bias. So you know what radical honesty is now, and you're like, That sounds interesting, and I think it could be helpful. So when, what should I consider when putting this into practice? I think that the most important thing to consider when wanting to practice radical honesty with yourself or with other people is to determine the why. Why do you think radical honesty is going to be beneficial to this conversation or to this relationship? Is the person not listening? Are they unable to hear you? What is driving you toward pursuing this kind of radical honesty with the person? Are you trying to use radical honesty as an excuse 
to tell someone about themselves. <laughs> I almost did this a couple weeks ago. And in hindsight, I'm glad I didn't. I'm someone that when I am angry, I need some time because if I'm pushed too much when I'm angry, there's not enough time for me to process that and see what's actually underneath it, whether that's hurt or sadness or whatever, which means I'm really likely to lash out at you. And someone hurt me and I was really, really angry and they kept like messaging me and it was this whole thing. And I was very tempted to be quote unquote radically honest about how their actions affected me. But at the end of the day, it was important for me to determine the why. What was I expecting from that situation? And all I really wanted at that moment was to tell that person about themselves. And that wouldn't be helpful. That's not really like a solution-based why. If you are noticing your relationships are suffering, and it seems like maybe it's something I'm doing, that is a good reason to be radically honest with yourself. If you see a friend struggling and they're not really accepting any of your bids to help them, that might be a good reason. Because your why is not to put them down, tell them how much they hurt you or anything like that. They're going through a hard time. Your purpose, your why is to tell them, hey, I care about you and it looks like this is happening. I really wish that you would let me help you. I I see that you're struggling, etc. Like whatever the case may be in that situation. What I want you to remember is that the why of why you want to be radically honest with someone is sometimes even more important than what you say. Okay? Because the why is going to drive the conversation. It's going to fuel your word choice. Even though the the core of radical honesty is to say things without without a filter. No matter what, we always have some kind of a filter on our words. And that filter is often driven by our perception of the situation. So if we go into this, like, I'm going to tell this person about themselves. I'm going to reduce them to a puddle on the floor because they hurt me so bad. They made me so angry and they deserve it. That's a signal. That's a signal. Okay. That is a signal directly at you telling you that this is not right. This is not radical honesty. This is brutal honesty. And this is honestly just aggression. You know, you are just raring for a fight. And that's not really productive. Okay. That's not solution based. You're creating more problems. Is radical honesty always the right choice? Personally, while I, I try to be honest always, I have a horrible memory and I'm not trying to remember a lie, you know, that's not, it's not the move. However, radical honesty, I believe, costs something to convey. It's different than just telling the truth to somebody. If they're like, are you mad at me? And you just say yes, like that is the truth. But was that radical honesty? And I believe no, because radical honesty requires you to look inside yourself, make observations, look externally, make observations, and then just describe those things 
versus answering a question as snippy and snappy and rude as can be, but still truthful. I have to invest my time and my energy, limited as it may be on some days, in order to give you radical honesty. Radical honesty is like a gift, honestly, that someone is giving you because that kind of emotional energy is really difficult to give someone some days. So when someone proves to you over and over and over again that they're not going to hear you when you give them radical honesty, why continue to spend your emotional bandwidth on this person and on this situation? I'm not saying you have to ditch them. I'm not saying you can't keep the relationship. But at what point can we be like, you know what? Being totally and completely and unbiasedly honest with them is not helping. So let me just stop and let me just understand, be radically honest with myself, that this is not working and this relationship does not have the baseline foundation required for this to be effective. In any everyday situation, when someone cuts you off at the grocery store and they're like, oops, sorry, and you just say, no problem. Is it really no problem? No, that's a white lie. But would it have been worth it to make it a whole thing with this random person who clearly did not care enough not to cut you off in the first place? Why am I going to spend my emotional energy on someone who I'm not deeming worthy of that? And that's the thing is that you can deem someone worthy or unworthy of your energy. You don't have to give and give and give and give yourself to somebody. You can decide, you know what? You don't get this from me. And it doesn't have to be a big production, you know? You can just decide within yourself, be radically honest with yourself. You know what? This isn't working. It's hurting me. They're not hearing me. So let me just operate in the way that I know I should and that is going to be best in this situation. So when you are on the receiving end of radical honesty, you know how powerful of a tool it can be, but you also know that if someone says, can I be radically honest with you? You know that it's gonna be something that's hard to hear potentially, can affect you emotionally. However, now that you know and understand the cost of somebody giving this gift to you, it might help you frame your reception of this honesty differently. Because now you can look at it like they're giving this to me. They care enough about me to be this honest with me, even if it's about something that is just really delicate, really sensitive, and normally would just set you off, pause for a moment and be radically honest back. Look inside yourself, look externally, and report back. You know, without bias, as much as little bias as you can. But if you must take bias into a situation, know that someone being radically honest with you is, again, truly a gift. 
So with all of that being said, we are about at the end of our time together this week. Thank you so much for joining me again. I love you all so much. Every time I see that you guys join me for another episode, if you are feeling particularly kind and generous, you can give a five-star review, only five stars, <laughs> on Apple Podcasts app or the Spotify app. You can also follow me on TikTok and Instagram at your so quiet pod, Y-O-U-R-E, so quiet pod, and I will talk to you all next week. Okay, love you. Bye. <music>